You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Kerr. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. Hey, dear ones, are you a psychic reader or intuitive wanting to learn how to access the Akashic records for others? Then you need to check out my Akashic Access class. In this class, of course, we work on you first, but then I will share the secrets that will help you read records for others, and you'll have an opportunity to join me for some extra training on Zoom. You can check out my class on my healing arts school at healingarts.thinkific.com and I will look forward to seeing you there. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey friends, welcome to Healing Arts. I am so excited today because I have Alyssa Donovan on the program. Alyssa has been in amazing things on television you all know of, Clueless, Beverly Hills 90210, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but I think now, I mean, numerous TV shows, movies, etc. And yet I think she has outdone herself now with this new book, Wake Me When You Leave, Love and Encouragement via dreams from the other side. This is incredible, Alyssa. And I know you and I just met, but I want to say, I am so proud of you for writing this. This is oh. really vulnerable and it's a great book. I could not, I could not put this down. Oh my gosh. First of all, I, uh, it's lovely to meet you sort of officially. Um, and thank you so much. Thank you. I can tell, I, I always feel like, um, when somebody, you, you, you got it, you felt it like it had the, I so wanted this book to be really, um, uh, authentic and deep and to allow people to, to go deep. And I feel like your response is, yep. Okay. You got it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what I expected. You know, you were in the middle of what could best be described as a perfect storm of nonsense that was going on. It's all coming down on you at once. And so tell us about that time in your life. I guess let's just get started there. And then I have some other questions, obviously. Sure. Um, So as you said, it was literally uh, everything at once. My the television show that I was doing, which was Sabrina, was canceled. And I immediately thought I was going to go on to do another series. And I 
uh, had many, many screen tests and I did not get a job. At the same time, my boyfriend and I broke up, the person I thought I was going to marry. And then my dad was diagnosed with cancer and all of these things happened one, two, three. And so essentially I went from thinking that I understood exactly where my life was going and all these successes and to everything being stripped away. And I went to this and then my dad died very quickly within several months. So, um, I mean, I was just quite literally stripped of everything that made my life make sense to me and everything that I held on to for my identity, for my sense of purpose, for uh, my happiness, for like, everything. And it started this spiritual journey that I had no intention of going on. Um, and uh, it changed my life, I, I mean, irreversibly. Um, in, in, in many, many ways. And obviously when things like this happen, it's, it, it, it's wildly unpleasant a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, I wrote this book to, to talk about that process that it's really important to go through it step by step. And, you know, I think we often inherently want to bypass difficult things and uh, particularly, you know, emotional challenges and that sort of thing. And um, I just learned that there's no way out but through and, and it actually can enhance your life, you know, as opposed to destroying it, even though it feels like it's destructing in front of you. Right. I mean, girl, I mean, this is amazing. You could have really... I think people see, you know, oh, look, she's a cele celebrity. She's been on yeah. movies, television that, you know, we could, you could have easily waved a magical wand and just told us your right. life is wonderful. And you chose not to do that. You went to some really very, very vulnerable places hmm. that just blew my mind. I mean, and I'm just wondering like when I, your dad passed in 2004, correct? Mm -hmm. And so when did you say between that time and now, I need to write this down. Well, so I've always been a writer and I had written other, uh, I had always been like a fiction, autobiographical fiction writer. And um, I started, it, so it was just something that I've always done, always journaled, always, uh, uh, you know, I was going to be, a, I was sort of my writing major in college, um, but it wasn't obviously my profession. And as the for the healing process and just to, for me to express what was happening, I just started writing uh, what I was feeling. And at first I couldn't write anything at all uh, because I had no, I couldn't, I, I just felt so bereft of any sort of feeling because it was so dark. And then I at first started thinking about, um, I should write something about my dad. And then I started to realize that all I could do was think about my mom and how lost she was because I felt so lost and confused. And I was sort of um, surprised by that. I think I was really thrown by how thrown I was. And then I kept thinking about my mom that if, you know, they were married almost 50 years mm -hmm. and she went from living in her parents' house to living with my father and getting married. You know, she didn't know anything else. And so interestingly, I think it was sort of a way in to my own feelings to, 
to start to write about her. And then I got more, um, was able to write more about what was really happening. And I think, you know, this at that time, maybe a year after, you know, a year or, or two into it, um, I had thought I was going to get a book deal. I was really wanted to write this and I started and we almost did. And I, I didn't. And then the main feedback was that, you know, the, the writing is beautiful. Uh, you know, this is great, et cetera. But they were essentially saying she can't sort of get past her own grief. And I went, oh. And so then when I looked at it years later and started to really write it, I understood what they were talking about because like I needed to process it more before yes. I could share it on a level that could be um, digestible and, and kind of more universal instead of so just my own grief. Right. Right. I mean, because I guess, yeah, when you're in the middle of it, you're on a long journey here. Yes. And so you have to come out the other side so that you can, because yes. it is a, a very, you have a very wonderful and redemptive, you know, ending this happily ever after now, in yeah. a sense, after you've gone through these things, your life is turning out really wonderfully. <laughs> yeah, it is actually. So it does feel, I mean, I really, um, I just, you know, I, I really wanted people to have a sense of you can come back from the darkness, from loss and uh, all sorts of challenges. And again, that, you know, it is, it's just a process and you really can come to the other side in a way that you never would have expected, but there really is, like, we have to allow ourselves to be as sad as we are. Right. Yeah. And within this backdrop of the family, one of the other things I loved about it was just this insider view into somebody who is working in Hollywood with the ups and the downs and yes. the agent calls and this one's going yes. through and this one isn't going through. I mean, how, I mean, that's, that's really challenging. And you talk about your artistic spirit I've always been a writer, so I understand like people say, oh, well, just because you've got a book published or just because you're on TV, well, your life is wonderful all the time, as I mentioned earlier. But the truth <laughs> is, you know, they think that you're like that all the time. Well, no, there's a lot of ups and downs here. So speak about your, you have an artistic compulsion as I do in, a, in your own way. And so, and you followed that and that's really inspiring. So speak about your journey as an artist and a, and a performer yes. and writer. So I think, you know, since I was a child, I've been a creative being and I, uh, I've always been um, creating things, writing things, painting. And, you know, when I started to become successful as an actress and actually work and get paid um, and in between things, I would be in that, that space of, oh my gosh, what do I do now? And needing that fulfillment. And so then I started to paint. I mean, I'm not a good painter, but I really, uh, I enjoy it. It's like a different part of my, my brain and my creativity. And I have less judgment on it than sort of other things, you know, than I'm maybe that I do on myself as an actress or even as a, as a writer, it's a more sort of freeing thing. And I think we evolve as artists and you, 
you know, it can take any form. I remember one of my teachers in um, she junior high or high school, high school, Doris Rowe, and she was my art teacher and she was just eccentric and crazy and amazing. And she, I would, I remember saying to her, I mean, I'm just not a, like, I don't paint. That's not what I do. You know, I'm a photographer. I was going to be a photography major. I'm a photographer and I'm an actress. And she's like, you are an artist. If you're an artist, you can draw it. You can paint it. You can dance it. You can sing it. You can do. And she said, you are selling yourself short. And she would always talk to us about this, how you may have one one area that really makes that really sings for you but we can express things in any form you know um and i found that to be really useful to me um because especially as as an actor there's so many ups and downs and lulls and you work these insane hours and then you're done and you have all this free time like it's it's a very uh non-linear kind of career. So finding those other avenues where I can, my creativity can be utilized has been really uh, key to my sanity. <laughs> I, I can relate to it. I've been known to take the crayons out and write right. music on garage band and all kinds of yes, stuff too. Yeah. Yes, yes. I think that's why I wanted to call this show healing arts, because I think that like you're talking about, it's an artistic compulsion to create things. Mm -hmm. And I guess for you, when you're in between these jobs, yes, you got to do something. Yeah. And, and you, you met know, and the, the writing has be, is really for me an extraordinarily fulfilling avenue, much more so than probably like writing this book. And then actually, you know, at some point along the way, as I'm sure, you know, <laughs> when you you're writing the book and you, it feels great that it's going to be out there, et cetera. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, people are really going to read this book. <laughs> wow, you know, wow. you're like, oh, wait a minute. Am I really ready for that? And, uh, but of course that's such a, that's just an incredible, um, experience to to share that with other human beings to do something that's so intimate and be able to reach people it's kind of it, it's what I've always it's always been my goal as a performer as an actor and in, in any sort of particularly as an actress that's was really kind of my lofty overall goal was you know, to communicate the human experience and, and to touch people. And, you know, you don't always get to do that as an actor. So as the jobs that right. pay you don't always <laughs> kind of, you know, raise your um, emotional <laughs> depth. But uh, so the writing has been so fulfilling to me and um, it's definitely what I will continue doing. I think you're a great writer. I mean, this is so well-written. Thank Very you. well written, friends. Everybody needs to get a copy. We will have the Thank links you. below. And one of the other things I loved, um, speaking of clueless, um, you talk <laughs> about this knack that you have for people who want to come up when you're either obviously visually, <laughs> emotionally, physically suffering and go, please, would you sign my book? Please, yes. can I have an autograph? Can we take a selfie? So talk about this. This seems to be something that's following you at the most inopportune moments. Mm -hmm. It's really, people. I, I didn't even put them all in the book because sure at a certain point, it's like, let's move on. Okay. This is weird that this is happening. Uh, I think it, it is, it just highlights this um, disconnect that people have with 
celebrity of any kind, particularly with actors and actresses and probably musicians, I would think is similar. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, and, and especially on television, because television is in your home. So you're sitting on your couch and you're watching these people. And so there's this feeling of like, you know them, but you don't know them and they're, so they're not real people. So when people come up in, up to me in person, they don't, they're not, it's like, they don't know how to, they just assume that we aren't real people. And it's a very bizarre thing. And it happened right away. As soon as I, uh, right after Clueless came out and I was doing 90210. And I remember going up the escalator with a friend of mine, we were going to the movies and all these people were like crowding around and pointing. And my girlfriend, Jennifer and I were like, oh, somebody famous must be on the escalator, you know? And we were like looking around, like, who could it be? And I get up to the top and they all just started staring at me and pointing at me and like talking about me in the third part. It was very disorienting. And I went, this is crazy. You know, this is really weird. And then, you know, over time you think about, my gosh, people, you know, who are really, really well-known. I don't know how they function (laughs) because there is a real disconnect that people don't think, you know, multiple times people came up to me when I was crying about this and as if it's like, they don't even see that you're crying. It was, it's, it's just bizarre. It's just bizarre. And it happened a lot. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you talk also about that's one level of it, but the, even the idea of um, when you went home to the family and everyone knows your dad's, he's not going to make it. They've been very clear about it. And now this, this kind of denial that we all have in the society and even within families, but in the society at large about, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we don't want to deal with yeah. stuff unless it's wonderful and happy and we can clap our hands. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? And how, I, I think your book is one of the things that luckily can help us change that, but why do you think we just don't want to deal with it? I am so curious about this too, because I, like, why are we so uncomfortable with discomfort? Like, why are we, I think it has to do with intimacy and really being being uncomfortable with that. And I've spoken to people uh, who grew up in different cultures and, you know, other cultures have a different experience of death altogether where they incorporate it into life and they aren't afraid of it. It's like you embrace it, you go through this, the process. And that's so beautiful to me. And I feel I actively tried to sort of do my version of that when I went home and it was, no one was looking for what I was offering, you know? And uh, I don't know. I think we have, especially in American culture, we have such an attachment to um, things being young and things being quick and things being shiny and, you know, new and expensive and bigger Mm -hmm. and better. And Uh, you know, it just, it inherently uh, ignores many of the basic uh, experiences of life. So, you know, it's, uh, I don't know if that, I, I, so I don't know why, um, but I I don't either, but people are, because I find it to be, I, I also think though, when we give people permission to, to, 
talk about these things or be more um, vulnerable than it, or rather when we do that ourselves, it gives people permission to feel like, oh, maybe I can say something about how I'm feeling, or maybe I can, and that, that was really one of my intentions with the book also to any, any events I've done, any readings and bookstores and things like that. Um, I have loved that once I read passages and we start talking that people will raise their hands and say what they have gone through or why they identify with things, you know, and it really has opened up this dialogue that I think if we can just start to um, incorporate these things instead of trying to step away from them, um, it really could shift, can shift so much of, of our experience and um, just make it more pleasant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I was thinking about your book came out in 2021. So I know, were you still working on it during the pandemic? I guess I wanted to know. <laughs> Because you yes. mentioned the pandemic at the back of the book. Um, yes. You know. So I um, signed the deal for the, the publishing, the deal with the publisher on what turned out to be my daughter's last day of school for the entire year, which was in March. And at that point, we all still thought they were going back to school in two weeks. Right. Um, it will be fine. We will all be moving along. And so, you know, that was March and um, the publisher had said, so is June 15th, the, you know, a good first deadline just for the first draft? Because I had had most, you know, the bulk of the book written. And I said, sure, you know, this is no problem. I work really fast. And then I realized, oh, I'm homeschooling my daughter. <laughs> my husband is now working in the guest room. I'm working in the laundry room closet, basically, on, you know, whatever hours I can. My daughter's having, she was in first grade at the time. Oh my gosh. Just devastating. Like it, we had, a, it was very, very difficult for her. And um, it just was, it was like horrible. It was like, a, I just could not believe what was happening. And then yeah. I would take the weekends. So my husband was uh, working during the week and I would work in the afternoons if I could. And then mainly the weekends would be my days that, so it was crazy. It was crazy, but it was really in some way or in many ways, I think having the book to focus on really saved me. Like it, it, it really helped me get through that year, which was yeah. very, it just was, I mean, it was horrible for everyone. Um, and I just feel like that helped me to, because I, it was so meaningful to me. So I felt like I was doing something with great purpose and it also really fulfilled me. So it like gave me a sense of sanity and okay, we, there's something I'm working towards here and it just really helped me, you know, uh, I don't, I think I'd be in, I don't know, I'd be in the loony bin if I didn't have this to do during then, I think. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was so weird. We all thought, okay, a couple of weeks, no problem. And then, oh my gosh. Pretty soon we're going, uh -oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is insane. I was thinking about this perfection thing we were talking about a minute ago. And one of the things I thought was cool about the pandemic was when all the newscasters and stuff had to come home and 
And then I was like one of our, I live in the Dallas area and one of the Mm -hmm. ladies, her little kid ran in behind her at the kitchen was grabbing snacks or, oh my gosh, here comes the cat across the sports pastor's lap. And I think a lot of these people (laughs) who are like, oh my God. And even I used to act like this when I'm doing this, I was like, oh my gosh, there's a noise. Someone just mowed a lawn, (laughs) you know, and you're so mortified. And then finally you just have to throw up your hands and say, guess what? Yeah. It is what it yeah. is. I think that has actually been kind of a good thing. We maybe not taking ourselves quite so seriously. I totally agree. And <laughs> humanizing everyone. And there is, there's something really great about that to see people's genuine reactions to things, even, you know, horror or joy laughing at themselves or laughing at it. You know, it really humanizes everyone. And uh, I, I certainly feel like there are people that, you know, who don't close friends of ours and or of mine or of my husband and I that we don't see as much because they live in different places. Right. Those are the people that I became even closer to because of this, because we would Zoom or we would have, you know, FaceTime gatherings as if we were together, you know, it's so bizarre. And uh, while that never replaces an in, you know, tangible in-person meeting, it was really amazing to say, oh, I can, I can see, talk to this person and see them more, even though they're so far away. And, you know, I don't know why we could have been doing that all along, I suppose, but, you know, there's something about the, the, the pandemic made us realize that we can keep connected, I guess, because we so desperately wanted to be, you know, connected to people because it was so isolating. Yeah, the Zoom, I mean, that was a real lifesaver. You think about the Spanish flu or whatever, 100 years ago, yes. I mean, they didn't have all this. They would have just been, plus they didn't know, you know, what we know now about different things. I mean, I can't right. even imagine, but but yeah, it was a real lifesaver. I made some really good new friends. That's how I started the show because I thought, Is I'm going really? to this place by myself. You know, we got to yes, get see? going and meet some new people, you know, obviously. Right. So yeah, why not? It's, it's, it's cool. pretty incredible. Yeah, it's amazing. It's kind of still going on. I'm hoping the society starts to open up, but I think there's just some things that are changed and they're not coming back quite, you know. No, I know. So. I know. I'm not sure how I feel about that completely, but yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you. So now back to this amazing book. Okay, I don't want to give away too many things about this, kids, because you need to check this out. This book reads like a fiction novel. You're going to get in here, you're going to go with Alyssa on the journey of a lifetime. <laughs> And so I want, I do want to sh- have you share, um, your mother is so cool how you, <laughs> you've, in, you know, you've brought us right into how she is her world. And, um, I wrote a book called past lives with pets about people who connect with their pets. And your mother had told you at one point that she was convinced that your father had embodied your dog. So tell us about that. And some of the things about your mother and, and her experience of your dad as visiting her from beyond the grave? So she, you know, prior to this was very, she didn't like to, didn't like to go too deep on things, was always, you know, talked a lot, smiles, doesn't like to kind of handle her feelings. And this whole process changed her in a way that was extraordinary. And my, so I, my dog, whose name was Zuli, I sent her a big Rhodesian Ridgeback and I sent her to live with my parents on the horse farm, maybe 
five or six years before my dad passed away because I was just working all the time and she was going to a doggy daycare. Like it didn't make any sense. I had this dog and I was never, you know, around. So she at the horse farm, she could run around, et cetera. And there were other dogs. So she kind of really became my dad's dog. Like they became buddies and she was, she'd be ecstatic when I would come to visit and, you know, all of that, but she was really, you know, she would sit with my dad when he watched TV at night or when he was reading the paper, you know, they would play together. They were buddies. So when he got sick, she, she would like run in circles around the kitchen and be like very nervous. And then when he came home and was with hospice at the house, she would just sit by the bed and whine and she would cry. Like she was really, um, she was really attached to him. And when he passed away, she would do these strange things. She would go outside and dig holes and mm. then lay in them and like lay in the hole. Like she was trying to bury herself. It was really um, something. And then I would watch her and she, it's like, she was like talking to someone at one. And I don't remember when this shifted months, I would say later. And she was kind of like, she was like playing with someone who wasn't there, you know? And um, then my mom on my dad's birthday, as I talk about in the book, she, uh, she just, I mean, I will never forget this phone call. She just said the dot, like my mom was writing and she was sad thinking about my dad. I think it was his birthday or their anniversary and, um, which are it's one day after the other. And, uh, she said that Zuli just jumped up on the bed. Like she's big dog and put her paws on my mom's chest and just looked right in her eye, like looked right at her. And she said there were like tears in her eyes and I couldn't, I mean, I, it's just, it was overwhelming. And she said, I just knew, you know, that, that dad was talking to me and that Zuli, and then she, you know, said to the dog, I know I miss him too. And, you know, that kind of thing, but, you know, that dog was very connected to him. And she also was already, I mean, I don't know, you could answer this maybe better that people, uh, I don't know if it's all animals, but this dog in particular was very connected to people on the other side, a friend of mine who passed away in high school that I also talk about, yes. the dog was super would run around with this. And I had forgotten that until, you know, when I saw her doing that with uh, after my dad passed away, I went, oh my gosh, this is the same thing that she used to do. Um, it's really, uh, I get, can get very emotional thinking about my dog <laughs> in yeah. a way, because there is, you know, animals have such unconditional love anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But there's something, I don't know, there's something really special about thinking about that. I'm a believer in what you are describing in the book for sure. And I know a lot of the people who are going to watch this are as well. I mean, I think, I think, you know, your dog seemed to be just extra sensitive to that. I think probably all animals are, but maybe some are extra, extra sensitive. And I think that had to have been the case there. Yeah. But that was pretty incredible. Tell us the other one um, that I love. I mean, there's so, much to love, obviously, and we don't want to spoil the surprises, but the other one that was so interesting was your story about the sapphire ring and the dollar bill. That's another. I could not. <laughs> that was a wild one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She, um, 
I mean, my mom has done some really funny things since all of this happened. You know, she, I didn't put this in the book, but she, um, someone told her something that if you hold a wire hanger in a certain way, you, I don't know what you do. And it, points in the direction of a spirit that's in the house like so she was, she was like so she'd be like wow. walking around the house with a hanger going wait is he over there is he over here it was very funny but um she uh oh my gosh I just lost my train of thought thinking about my mom with that hanger <laughs> Sorry. oh no that's what did you ask me what it's so amazing me? I mean <laughs> When you read this book, everybody, I mean, your mom was just very normal eyes, very not going to talk yes. about anything. And now she's walking around the house with a hanger. This yes. is how this exactly, exactly. people. And, she and had, I think you were talking about the fact that she lost a sapphire yeah. ring. She wasn't yes. planning on it. And all of a sudden it appeared. And then the next day yes. you had an epiphany at the movie yes. theater. It was so crazy. She called me on the phone when I got off the plane back to, um, to LA and it told me that she found this ring. And the whole time that we were back and that I was back in North Carolina for the services, et cetera, she had been looking for this ring that my grandmother, her mother had um, given to her and she couldn't find it anywhere. I was like, she's, you know, lost it. It's, it's fine. But she was obsessed about this ring and we looked everywhere. It was just gone. And then, um, so when I got off the plane, she called me and said she found it. It was right in the middle of the hallway, like the hallway between their bedroom and the um, uh, kitchen and living room. And I said, how can it, like, how could it, how can that be? And she said, I don't know, but it's sitting right here in the middle of a thing. And the same thing happened with the necklace that she had, that my father had um, given to her as an anniversary present one year. She went to Florida with my brother, lost it in like left it in Florida at the hotel or something and couldn't like it was gone. And then she went to pull her purse out of the closet and it just came like shooting out of the closet, this necklace. And she said, you know, and she would say these things to my brother and my brother's like, oh, she's losing her mind. You know, she's crazy. <laughs> and I said, no, well, she's wearing them. I mean, she has these things now. I mean, she's not making mm -hmm. it up. Mm -mm. It's really, um, and so I think for her that really, it just opened something up in her that I think really has given her a great comfort and, um, and has made her feel, you know, more at peace and, and, and connected to him and that sort of, that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely. I think when we really, you know, oftentimes people have said to me, oh, when they've lost someone that, you know, that they, they wish that their loved one would reach out to them in some way that they wish they would. And I sometimes can feel as though there, I don't know how to explain it, what I, how I want to say this exactly, but I feel as though when, you know, people on the other side or the spirit, however you want to call it, they're, they're so aware of, of the physicality of life and the sort of um, disruption that it could be. So I think they're kind of careful about when to do those sorts of things, sort of like if you, you need to kind of be ready for it or able to handle it, where it won't completely over, 
take you, you know, and it does feel that way. The first dream that I had with my dad, I felt like I can't, I can't go anywhere ever again. Like, I don't know what I'll, I don't know what to do with myself. You know, it's very disorienting. And um, so I think uh, we have to kind of, when we really want something so much, maybe it's, it's like, we have to kind of be a little bit more at ease with ourselves and trust that they will reach out. Cause for example, now I, this sort of stuff happens to me all the time. <laughs> and I think it's because I've learned how to metabolize it. And I, uh, it, it, it feels, it feels good to me most of the time, even if, even if there's sadness, um, you know, we have dear friends who lost a child last year in a very horrific, horrific way. Oh, wow. And this is just awful. And, um, you know, this little boy has come to me and I, he, I, he has come to me and it's overwhelming. And then I, but I can share it with his mom because she wants to hear, you know, uh, so I think this, this gets back to what I was saying initially. And what I really think is important is that we can understand that these, you know, grief and, and difficulty and heartbreak and, all these things can, you know, we can move through them Mm -hmm. and it's part of the human experience. It's part of what having a full, fully rounded life is, you know, and, um, we, you know, I, we, we don't, I don't, uh, you know, uh, look for these things to happen, but they are a part of life, you know, and, um, it can make you, it can just make your, it can enhance your life as opposed to, you know, really taking it away, I guess. Yeah, I think you're exactly right because we don't want to think about it, but we can't avoid it. I mean, it's going to happen to right. everyone. Um, yeah. We're all going to lose people as well. Um, mm-hmm. So might as well be open to it and the blessings that it can bring. Yes, yes. I think that's the thing that was really, so one of the things that was very surprising to me also that. I, it has been a blessing in, and, and that my relationship with my father is far deeper now than it was when he was alive, which is a very strange thing to say and to even hear myself say, but it's unequivocally true because there's a way that we can um, communicate, I guess would be the word or connect that we, we didn't when, when he was here. So, uh, and that, that was a very, very big surprise to me. I know that feeling. I've had that feeling when friends pass, you think, well, they're here all the time now. This is so easy. Yes. Strange yes. Feeling. yes. Yes. Very, very surprising. And I think you're exactly right also about if people are not ready to see things, it can be very, very jaunting. Um, mm-hmm. I had seen a friend who passed many years ago and that's kind of how I became a past life regressionist when I saw him in a window. So it was very shocking. Yes. And then about 15 years after his death, I met the person who was with him when he had fallen, he had a hiking accident and described the out, the, what he was wearing exactly as I'd been talking about it for years. Um, he said, yeah, he was wearing a white tank top and some jeans. Oh, wow. 
So, you know, it was like, yeah, these things are real. And, but like you've said, if you're not prepared for it, which I certainly wasn't at that time, mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very jaunting. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then like you've also said, I mean, it's so uh, all encompassing when you realize, wait a minute, they're here, they're just vibrating maybe at a different frequency. And so yet they're with me all the time. So there's yes. nothing to be, not that we shouldn't be upset, but it's just, you understand that there's a continuity there and there's, that this is yes. real. I mean, we don't need yes. to be concerned that, you know, something's ended. Something is just yes. taking a new form of some kind. Taking a new form. Yes. And a new way, you know, I've heard it described as walking through a, a different door or looking through a different, you know, lens, like all that kind of thing. And it's hard, you know, it's a bit hard to kind of metabolize, but it, it, it is, I've found it to be very true. And um, that to me is incredibly hopeful, right? And feels yeah. very, really peaceful and really uh, joyous because there's a sense of, of support and kind of understanding, I think, that, uh, um, that, is, that is just really reassuring. Because it feels, you know, when someone passes away, it feels so final. I mean, that's how it, it felt. And like, you kind of can't even understand it. And then being with, you know, I was there after with my dad, like being in the room with a person who is not living, it is like, uh, it's intense. The, the, the feeling is so it's, I, it's, it's very, very, uh, arresting. And, um, so it feels like, Oof, this is over, you know, and right. in, in one sense it is, yes, their physical body is no longer carrying them through like the way that you envision them. Cause it's so much about what through our lens, right? Oh, this is my father. This is what he looks like. And then when that person is not breathing and is not moving, you're going, oh my gosh, well then who is he? Where is he? It's really, you know, a process of kind of, uh, metabolizing it really. And, uh, it's then once you do, and you realize, oh, he really is here all the time. It's, it's really uh, amazing. Uh, and it's the thing that I, so, you know, but again, it's not something that happens you know, immediately. It's not like he passed. And then I went, Oh, I understand everything. You know, like there's a process that happens that is, you know, until you, that's a good description. Yes. <laughs> yes. If only the magical wand okay. would come, but that. it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. Well, it's an incredible book. Now I've got to switch gears here because I'm so curious. So I was on your Instagram account, which I will put the link uh -huh. to that as well. So you were on one of these cooking shows. Oh recently. my gosh. <laughs> oh, it was so fun. I loved it. I was watching your clip. So can you oh tell us gosh. about it? I yes. know it's totally non-serious, but it just it, looked like so much fun. It was it like you so were much fun. It, it so was, which one was this? So it's called, it was the worst cooks in America. That's what I thought. I love you for doing that. This is, yes. this is the spirit of what you're getting out of this book. Some of the things Alyssa shares kids, it isn't always pretty. Exactly. And you're willing to go on that show. I, I saw that show. I haven't seen it yet. And I thought that looks like a lot of fun. Oh, it was really fun. And they had all um, actors from the nineties that were well-known. That's sort of how they curated us together. Uh, 
first of all, it was like, we all went through a boot camp together. It was crazy. It was so hard. We worked so many hours. We shot in New York and, um, it was the first thing that I, that certainly the first job I did after in the pandemic, it was, it was right, right after the book came out, I went to New York and shot the show last year. So it, it was bananas. I mean, we had, you have to share a stove and then they give you, um, it was just hilarious. <laughs> so much fun. It was, I, and I'm still, we're still all friends. We have a text string with all of us on it, all the, the contestants and, uh, oh gosh, we just laughed so hard, like fires burning in the kitchen and Anne Burrell, who was the main chef, it's her show. She would put a red marker on your finger every time you held the knife wrong. And she, I would wake up in my hotel with like ink all over my face because she kept kept doing it wrong. (laughs) It was really hilarious. I had no idea it was going to be that fun. It's a really good spirited show. You know, they, um, it was super fun. It looks fun. I'm going to have to go check that out. That's on the um, Food Network, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm going to definitely go watch that. Um, If you, we'll go on our Instagram account, kids, and check it out. Check out the little clips. It looks like y'all are having a blast. So that looks like some good TV. We need a few laughs in the society. Thank you. This, it is very good spirited. And the other, Jody Sweeten is on it, and Tracy Gold, and Mark Long. And it's really uh, a great, funny group of people. Yeah. It's a a feel good show for sure. (laughs) Yeah. We need that. So, and this is a very feel good book. Wake me up when you leave. This is a great book. Um, highly, highly, highly recommended. Um, Alyssa, it was just a complete joy to connect with you. Um, keep the writing up. You're a great writer. Thank thank you. you for writing this. And I'm just wishing you continued success and joy and happiness and all good things as you continue this amazing journey that you're on. Oh, thank you so much, Shelly. It's my absolute pleasure to chat with you. And thank you so much for all the kind words on the book. I'm so glad it touched you. It did. So thank you. Thank you. All right, friends, we've done it again. Another episode of Healing Arts. So we'll have the links below and I will see you next time on the next episode of Healing Arts. Hey friends, I want you to check out my Past Life Lady YouTube channel that has tons of free videos that teach you how to do all kinds of things from energy healing, gem and mineral healing. I've got guided imagery up there for you. So check it out. Just go over to YouTube and type the words Past Life Lady in the search bar and hit subscribe. And I'll look forward to welcoming you over to my channel today. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Kerr. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady. <laughs>